Hello. Hello. Yay. All right. Let's do things. We're doing things. It's a good time to do things. Welcome to the book jam. I am Marissa. I am a teen librarian at a public library and I am Mary. I am a adult services and teen librarian also at a public library. Cool. And we're here to talk about books on the book jam. Uh, what kind of books? We are going to talk about young adults, middle grade. What else, Mary? Uh, we're going to talk about graphic novels. We're going to talk about all types of genres. Uh, probably, uh, I think both of us like to read pretty inclusive books, too. Everything from POC to um, LGBTQIA. And more. We're not limiting ourselves. So really, come jam with us on the book jam. Uh, I would like to say for the listeners at home, I apologize if you hear a barky dog in the background. Oh, there she goes. On cue. Yeah. uh, Somebody just doesn't want to be cooped up today and wants to bark at everyone who walks past our house. So my sincere apologies. Same. My cat already came in to investigate, sniffed around, thought I was boring, but then came back. And now he's an overlord by the window supervising my work. Sounds about right. Yeah, just about. Oh, if you do not like pet talk, this is not the podcast for you. It's about pets, cats, dogs, books. Um, pretty much who could like this podcast? I think Mary uh, teens could like it. I think other librarians could like it. I think adults like it. I think anybody who breathes could like this. Um, so yeah, we're going to keep trying to keep it pretty clean. Um, but we want to talk about books that we like and want to kind of share with you. So hopefully you could find it at your local library through an independent bookstore via audiobook, via Overdrive or Hoopla or Libby or whatever way you can get your books right now. Um, but yeah, we're just going to jam a little bit. My first pick, I'm just going to work up with the grade levels, mm-hmm. um, is a middle grade book called The First Rule of Punk, written by Celia C. Perez, who is also a librarian in Chicago. Um, I really love this book. Uh, I can I try to think of something that like it's a mashup of, and the only thing that comes slightly close is that it's like a middle grade version of Moxie, but from a Latinx perspective. Um, but it's so much more than that. Like, because Moxie is a completely different, like, angry feminist story, and the first rule of punk is um, a lot happier. <laughs> I guess you would say. Good. I want than Moxie. Books. Um, yeah. And I mean, it definitely has its like times of like, oh, nobody understands me because it's still a middle grade book. Uh, but it was really great. I can read the publisher's uh, description real quick. If... Yes, please. Okay. The first rule of punk is a wry and heartfelt exploration of friendship, finding your place and learning to rock out like no one's watching. Um, there are no shortcuts f- to surviving your first day at a new school. You can't fix it with duct tape like you would your Chuck Taylors. On day one, 12 year old Melu, uh, or Milo, excuse me, Mar- uh, Maria Luisa, if you want annoy her inadvertently upsets posada middle school's queen bee violates the school's dress code with her punk rock look and disappoints her college professor mom in the process her dad who now lives a thousand miles away says things will get better as long as she remembers the first rule punk be yourself um which that's a pretty good summary uh it's adorably cute and like as an adult reading it he's a huge punk fan um Mm -hmm. and huge music fan that it was it was really kind of it came off very um sincere because you can definitely tell that the author loves these bands as well um and one of the other things that i think came off a little bit better than moxie 
Um, so if you remember the story of Moxie, it's like teenage girl fighting the authority at school that's like really sexist and stuff. And her mom yes. was a, was into the former Riot Girl movement, which is a, a punk rock movement from the early 90s that grew out of like Washington, D.C. and um, the Olympia, Washington area, uh, Washington State. And um, so she talks a lot about these zines, but I don't remember. And of course, I can't go to my library and look because we're closed right now because of the pandemic. I don't remember there being zines in Moxie. But Melu, to express herself, makes zines, which are, um, and zines were around before the punk movement. They've been around in like science fiction fantasy world for a year, for like, or over 50 years at this point. Um, but they're like little magazines you make yourself and you, you know, you cut up magazines, you Sharpie, you know, you can paint them, you can make them digitally, you can make them like old school. Um, so the book includes Melu's zines, which are um, usually she's writing them to express how she feels about something. Like when they, um, at the beginning of the book, she's moving away with her mom because her mom got a new college uh, position uh, in Chicago and they're moving, I think from Florida. And, you know, she slips a zine into her mom's bag that she says, you know, this is home and this is why I'm upset. Um, and her mom actually does read it. And it's a really, really cool moment when they kind of connect over it. But it's really cool because it's, it's they're interspaced um, throughout the book. So I, my hope is that young readers will read it and be like, oh, yeah, I can make these too and distribute them. Um, and I'm sure librarians, if they did it as a book club, could obviously use it to... Um, make a zine making class uh, but it was super cool and you know her whole thing is she's trying to fit in she doesn't fit in uh she finds a really cool coffee shop um and it turns out the owner of the coffee shop used to be in a punk band and she's also um i think her her parents came from mexico and so she's like first generation american and Malu's like a second generation american um so there's like the, the talks about like the stresses of that type of um of, of, of that type of identity which is pretty cool but she also uh, you know t shares with uh, Milo all these different um, punk bands that are also Latinx and so she's it's like this really cool thing and then she ends up making a little punk band in the school talent show <laughs> with the coffee shop owner's son Joe um, he recruits a couple people and she recruits somebody else and they of course don't get to play um, but then they're like, oh, we should do like an alternative to the um, to the talent show and protest and everybody who didn't get in the talent show because we're not considered like neat enough and nice enough to like, you know, we'll have our anti talent show. <laughs> so it's like a really cool, like sticking it to the man story uh, about a kid who's just trying to find her place. It was it was very, very good. I like that. That sounds very like uplifting and kind of fun. I've seen the cover before and it looks just fun it's a girl like jumping and at first time when i saw it i thought it was a graphic novel so like five percent i was sad when it wasn't a graphic novel when i opened it up um but that's still super 100 awesome of what it is so i'm very excited about that one yeah and it's like definitely like uh she's a seventh grader i think going yeah. into it so i kind of feel like the cover is a little too intermediate mm -hmm. um but it's, it's a little still bit pretty good yeah. Yes. Yes. So do you think that cover would appeal to like your older eighth grader in the spring? 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I definitely like intermediate kids who read up will mm-hmm. love it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's really oh, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I can I could totally see a sixth or seventh grader picking up, but I'm not sure if an eighth grader would go for it because it's might it might be a little bit too cute. The cover if that looks makes cute. any sense. Totally yes. get it. The cover looks kind of cute, and the cover can very much like set the tone. It can make it look older, younger. Um, I know Mary and I are talking about middle grade, intermediate, teen. For me, so intermediate for me is grades four to six. Middle grade for me is like five, six, seven, eight grade. And like when I say teen or middle school, I think seven, eight, nine and high school level, I think nine, 10, 11, 12. Is that about where you are, Mary? Or I think you're a little younger, a little older. Uh, about the same. Like, okay. um, it's a sliding like scale. It's hard. It's hard. It, it is. And the other thing is, you know, each kid is different. Like you have kids oh, yeah. that will just read everything. And then you have kids that are much more selective of like, you know, I only want books that have dragons. Yeah. So, dragons that tap book- dance. And I don't want anything that's weird. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. This, this book would not be for them. Um, no. but it's a great realistic fiction. Um, and also the one of the things I loved about it too, uh, is that the way Milo and her dad talk about punk music, yeah. um, it's not gatekeepy at all. Um, which, a lot of times in the music people are like or can be very gatekeepery about like oh you know oh you don't you don't know the whole entire you know discography or like <laughs> album collection for like this one punk band that was only big for like one year in 1974 you don't know that and it's just like <sighs> okay do you even like music I, if you don't know that mary do you yeah, yeah. exactly so <laughs> that's the thing about this book is that it just makes it so much accessible for like everybody. Good. And the fact that like her dad who owns the record store is also just like music's for everybody. And I'm like, yes, it is. Um, so I kind of, I loved it. Uh, it was, it was very good. So what do you have to share, uh, Marissa? Yeah. My first one's also middle grade. I thought like you thought of aging up as we went. Um, it's a brand new book. It just came out officially on March 31st, 2020. Um, I got a, a copy from a finished copy from the publisher. Uh, so thank you to them from dial, uh, and print a penguin Putnam random house. It is called wink W I NK, I can spell, uh, a novel by Rob Harrell. Um, this one was not on my radar at all. So if I hadn't had gotten a copy, I probably wouldn't have thought of it, but I love the cover. It's, um, it has a sketch of a kid with one eye shut and then a couple little sketches around it. It's a good color orange. I don't know why, but I love orange cover books. And, um, my quick kind of this plus this equals this, the book recipe is kind of that if you like big Nate and wimpy kid, which, 100 million percent yes for most kids ever meets wonder which is kind of a weird combination um my quick quick two sentence like elevator pitch to a person in the library sacks is 12 year old ross just wants to be normal like every other seventh grader but he got some news over the summer that he has a rare eye cancer now ross has to deal with eye goo cowboy hats crushes and besides just surviving middle school so that's my quick quick pitch when you're like the parents running out the door, the kid has to go to hockey practice. I don't have time for this. I'm like, you'll love it. And I throw it in their face as they're running and they're like, okay. Um, so it's both sad and funny, which is, you know, a great combination for right now. Um, I, it's about embracing your weirdness, which I'm very much about. Um, I've had teens say like, Miss Marissa, you're weird. And I'm like, thank you. Cause I want them to not feel like weird's a bad thing because that's something that's kind of hard in middle school or just in life uh is embracing your weirdness oh um, totally right you know what i mean like you don't know maybe then or maybe you do if you're cool that what makes you weird is what makes you 
you. So this is a really good book. Um, the longer uh, summary from the publisher is that kind of encompasses that is Ross Malloy has always just wanted to fit in. But when he's diagnosed with a rare eye cancer, he's suddenly the standout cancer kid of the seventh grade. Now he has to deal with eye goo, weird hats, like a cowboy hat, a squinty winking eye, like the J, he can't even open one eye. And the hardest thing of all, disappearing friends, bullies, and the threat of losing his eyesight, or worse. This is based on Rob Harrell's real-life experience, packed with comic panels and spot art. This is a heartbreaking and hilarious story of survival and finding the music, magic, and laughter in life's weirdness. Um, they mention comic panels, so that's why I mentioned Big Nate and Wimpy Kid, is that sometimes at the end of a chapter, He'll have a whole page devoted to a character that um, his main character, Ross, has come up with. Uh, he got detention for one drawing of of a character called Bat Butt. That's right, Bat Butt. Uh, and there is a picture of it on page 36. Please see your copies. Um, but then he actually ends up making a more okay uh, comic called uh, Bat Pig. Um, and it kind of deals with like the inner subconscious of his mind or of what's happening in his life so it's a quick little panel of what maybe he hoped happened or a way of dealing with the ridiculousness of, or a completely embarrassing thing that just happened i won't say everything it's mortifying i mean finding out over the summer that you have cancer and now you're that you're other you're weird and in the very beginning this is not giving anything away he has one really close friend a girl uh and she is like his buddy they do not separate they are together through thick and thin thin and he has one other friend that really just kind of disappears and it kind of softly addresses throughout the whole book um how people don't know how to react to sickness or oh oh like how do i how do i talk to you and as his um per he gets more treatments they even talk about in the past short term of how when he got diagnosed and because you kind of took get told the backstory um what happened and how people react to him and what do you do uh and then you kind of see this one kid fading away and there, it does have a resolution in the end, which I love. It has good secondary characters. Um, he also has different ways of dealing with his treatment. And he has to deal with serious stuff. Like he, at one, one of the treatments could have been remove both your eyes. It was like this Russian lady. She comes in. She's like, both eyes must go. They, you will lose. You won't be blind. It's, sorry for my accent, but not sorry. Um, and That's, so that I mean, of, it's pretty intense. <laughs> it is. But just to be told as a seventh grader that you will go blind. And that's a big thing to deal with. And I have adult friends that were kind of told that just about that age. And they did end up losing both their eyes. So it's a serious topic to be like, well, now you're hoping to save one eye. But also you're just dealing with the awkwardness of middle school and like having a crush. And he has to put this eye goo, like literally an ointment that drips off his face on during the day and he has to, he has to keep his eye closed because he just can't and it's all these things that are just like no you can't you can't put this on him don't don't add this to this kid's load and it's so funny and like i said there's great adult and kids secondary characters like they're actually fully fleshed out i super loved it so i like i said it was sad and funny so and i read it in a couple of sittings um and the note that they said that the author had eye cancer is that actually the author rob harrell was diagnosed with eye cancer in 2005 um but this he was only he was actually 37 and living in texas and he found it really hard to cope with i'm gonna try and pronounce this but i'm super gonna mess it up a um, epidermoid carcinoma of the lacrimal gland obviously that um, is a mouthful 
It is, right? I had to really try. So thanks. Thumbs up to me for trying. I'm like good job. in myself. Thank you. Um, so I really enjoyed reading it. Super read it in like two sittings. Um, I feel like it's perfectly middle grade, like right there in that sweet spot of like, yes, boys, girls, anybody would think this one was funny. I'm not trying to gender books, but I just literally think anyone could think this was funny. I'd give it to a fifth to eighth grader. Um, nothing's too mature. The language is clean. The main character faces bullying issues and also the fact that he might die, but it's still funny. So I think this is a really good accessible book. Um, I even just recommended it to my 13 year old nephew yesterday. Cause he, I found out did not have enough books to read. So I'm like, Oh my friend, let me just cracks my fingers and like goes to typing for an hour. And he has a beautiful tailored list of 12 books, but that's my first book. Nice. I like yes. it. Right. Yeah. So what's your next book? Uh, so my next book is called white rabbit by Caleb, um, Roaring. I think that's how you say his last name. Yeah. Uh, I'm not hundred percent. Um, this is definitely an older YA. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's an older teen book. So I would say nine through 12. Um, I like a good thriller. And so this is, this is not really a new book. This one's been out. And I think, well, I don't really talk about this in our introduction. We'll probably hit books that have probably come out in the past five years. Cause yeah. My to be read pile is immense. Um, and I've been on some book award committees for the past couple of years. So I feel yeah, same. I have over 300, <laughs> over 300 books to be read and it will take a quarantine for me to do a dent. Yeah. Um, so I remember when I saw the cover of this, I'm like, what is this? When it came in like a couple of years ago and my coworker who does all the ordering for the YA collection was like, oh, I think you'll like this. Um, so White Rabbit, I'll just read the, um, the mashup is for me when I was reading it I was like wow what if you put Pretty Little Liars in Riverdale in like this same universe and like put them in a blender I um, want to watch that show yes because it's got like but like you're not part of the Pretty Little Liars group you get roped into having to help one of the Pretty Little Liars <laughs> <laughs> and you're kind of like the gay jughead of the group so you're you're like the weird the weird outcast um who's kind of stuck with it which isn't completely but it's that's kind of the the things that seem most obvious to me um but it definitely has like that good like cw like drama uh that's really over the top at times and i'm just like gasp i thought they killed it like so many people could be the murderer you're just like all of you are horrible people um just like in pretty little liars and sometimes in riverdale um so the publisher's description is Rufus Holt is having the worst night of his life. It begins with the reappearance of his ex-boyfriend, Sebastian, the guy who stomped his heart out like a spent cigarette. Just as Rufus is getting ready to move on, Sebastian turns out, turns up out of the blue saying they need to talk. Things couldn't get worse, right? Then Rufus gets a call from his sister, April, begging for help. He and Sebastian find her drenched in blood and holding a knife beside the dead body of her boyfriend, Fox Whitney. Um, April swears she didn't kill Fox. Rufus knows her too well to believe she's telling him the whole truth. But April has something he needs. Her price is his help. Now with no one to trust but the boy he wants to hate, you yet can't stop loving, Rufus has one night to clear his sister's name or die trying. I like it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's the whole thing is like you you know everybody's lying. <laughs> You're like, which one of you? <laughs> something 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 truth, but it turns out um, like it's a really complicated story and it's really over dramatic. So and like when I was reading it, like do you ever like read a book and you think of like, oh, I know which library teens I will give this book to because yes. I had a couple in mind that would just eat this up. It's I so over it. the top. Um, but also, like I said, like a good thriller, especially a good white thriller, is kind of hard to find. Um, it's not too mature or too young. Yeah. You feel like it's right on there. 
Yeah, yeah. Like you, you could easily see it being like a Netflix movie or like a CW show. Again, I don't think you could really eke out a whole season. Um, but <laughs> limited it's, series, exactly. And it's from Rufus's perspective, and so you get he's narrating the whole story, and he's very over dramatic. So the whole like stomped his heart out like a spent cigarette in the publisher's description is actually from the book. He's very over the top of all of his descriptions, which is hilarious because you know that's just the. It, really is the you know the whole zeitgeist of the teen heart of just like oh he broke my heart um <laughs> and like he hates sebastian but he's still in love with sebastian and there's like this back and forth um and then sebastian the whole time is like i have to tell you something he's like not now we're trying to find a murderer um <laughs> but you also find out there's more to the story like the fact that he's the bastard son of um this like really wealthy lawyer who had an affair with like rufus's mom and he's the result of it and um this guy is like the author really does a great job of painting. Like if you want to hate rich people in power, this book is for you. Uh, Cause all of the rich popular kids are all horrible on a different level for a different reason. And they have like great names, like, you know, Fox and race um, and, you know, skip uh, it's, it's pretty hilarious uh, how over the top it is. Uh, but it was, it was really good. Um, and like I said, I was, I was I thought from the very first get go I'm like oh I know who the killer is and then I yes. was completely wrong and then I pivoted and I was like oh I think it oh I am not right here either so that was kind of cool because it kept me guessing um I really I really enjoyed the banter and like it's just it has that great like you know this thing is happening in real time so like you do get a little bit of flashback to give some um more description about the relationship between Rufus and Sebastian and why Rufus is so mad at Sebastian, which is really good because you, you totally understand it, but like it's there, it's adorable. Like you, it's adorable. You kind of want them to work out, but you kind of don't want them to work out at the same time. Um, and but then it's like, you know, one night. And so they're kind of, it's kind of like when you watch days and confused and they're just driving around, like one thing to the next thing. It's like that. So you're just constantly on the move. Um, and it was it was really really good and um i mean it really had that whole like riverdale secret drug ring thing going on and it was it was it was very compelling uh the cover for the paperback i think is better than the hardback like the hardback has like this silhouette of like two guys in the woods with flashlights but then the paperback has um like a dripping knife for like it says for white rabbit so like the eye in white is a knife and it's got like Ooh. it's like very thrillery. um so you know if you don't have it and you think you want to get it i think the paperback cover is better also be a little bit cheaper for you now because it came out in 2018 <laughs> um but yeah, I looked upon Goodreads too because I was just curious. Because um, you know, yes. we, we don't we're starting to get more and more LGBT stories that are not, thank God, coming out stories. Because um, I have yeah. coming out fatigue. Um, <laughs> That's a, yeah, I believe you. Because uh, I over the last few years have read a ton more things, and I'm getting picky about it too. I'm like, I'm glad there's so much that I can be picky versus like, oh, hello, LGBTQ kid, you get to read this one book. Shh, be quiet. This is a secret book. Only the people who are in the know know that this is the gay book. Yeah, I'm so happy. Yeah, and so that's kind of what I did like about White Rabbit is that we happen to have a gay protagonist and there is like a queer love story in it um, or romance, I guess you would say. But mm -hmm. it's, you know, that's not the whole he just happens to be gay and these things are just happening to him um there is a little bit of a, of a coming out story in it with the because of course with the ex-boyfriend because that's part of why they weren't together because the ex-boyfriend mm -hmm. was popular and didn't want to come out um it was scared 
but they kind of get around to it. Uh, Goodreads did have some like one star reviews on this, uh, and I was reading through them, and I was like, "Who could hate this book?" Um, and at the same time, I'm not saying this is like a five star read. This is an entertaining read. Like, um, not if I save you first is an entertaining read. Like, it's yes. it's an action read. It's not trying to like change the world or anything. It's just a fun story um, about murder. And, uh, you know, a lot of the complaints about it, and granted there weren't a ton, but some people that were complaining about it was the whole, like, you know, you should never have, like, I hate books that have, like, you know, there should never have somebody that completes you, and, like, you're not a complete person unless, you know, that person is with you, and the romance thing, and the fact that it's LGBT, I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a very teen YA trope, I think, to a certain extent. Um, And sometimes you find out that person does not actually complete you, and sometimes it's not really the point of the story, which it's not in this one, because this is whodunit. It's a whodunit to all the murders. And um, (laughs) I think there's also this thing where, with the LGBT stories, like, they're not allowed to fail. Uh, Like, yeah, they have to be, like, this above all, like, shining star of, like, pinnacle of like this is how an lgbt story has to be and it's like no you can have like a thriller that's fine like it, not everything has to be like a five-star gonna change the world uh book and that's great when we have those and i love those don't get me wrong but i'm just saying like we need to have more lgbt stories so we can have some of them that aren't that you, know, you can have a narrator that you're not sure if it is reliable um you know and like melinda lowe's talked a lot about this on her twitter too uh, especially I think because her last book had a you're questioning whether it was an unreliable narrator and also like a, um, a book in that like you felt kind of unsettled when you finished it and people were like oh and she's just like no we can have these books the problem is there's not enough of them in the LGBT genre which I agree with so that was my whole like my criticism was not really of the book, but it was of the reviewers that were like, you know, trying to make this the end all be all. And I'm like, it, it doesn't have to, we can just have a thriller. Like you can you just can have a popcorn fun. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that is my book. I, I mean, like I said, if you, if you have kids that are really into like Riverdale and pretty little liars and like murder mysteries, like this is a great book. Cool. Also, there is a lot yeah. of, it definitely is more of a high school read, I will say, because he does swear cre- very creatively, um, which is part of the fun of the book to a certain extent, uh, but it is not for the middle grades. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Um, my next book is completely opposite of that. Um, it is for grades seven to nine, so like a teen um, book, though I think anybody, even adults, um, could read it. It just came out also on March 3rd, 2020. I listened to it via um, Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A, um, which my library has a few downloads a month. And it's a long read. So if you got some time, like if you're stuck inside the house, uh, it is about like 13, 14 hours, something like that. Um, it's a long re- listen. And I that has only given me some of the hope to try and pronounce some of the names. But it is historical fiction based on a real person. It is called The Light in Hidden Places by Sharon Cameron. And if her name sounds familiar, it's because she's also the author of the series of The Forgetting and the Dark Unwinding series. So she does fantasy sci-fi. And um, the cover, I don't think, really sells it well. Um, it does sell when it is. Like, it has a girl with her hair pulled back um, behind a door. So you think probably Anne Frank-ish. Um, but I'm not sure how I would have sold this book on the cover, like, if, if I was the one making the cover up. Um, my quick, quick summary, I actually think the book summary overtells a lot. But the couple-sentence summary that they have on the advanced reader copy... Um, summary is about how the author got hooked 
um, about, about this real person. Imagine a teen girl with a six-year-old sister, alone and destitute in Nazi-occupied Poland, choosing to shelter one Jewish man who has jumped from a death train. Then she chooses to hide six more Jews. And six more. And then the Nazis requisition her house. So 13 Jews in the attic, four Nazis directly below them, and one young girl and her sister standing in between. Her name was Stefania Pogorska, and I will never forget her story. That was what made the author. She was watching some kind of PBS show documentary, and like when she was a teenager, super was captured by the story, became a writer, or she actually was a writer for her job. And she went back and the narrator was someone that actually knew the real life Stefania really well. I'm going to try and not give the whole summary away this. You heard, you heard the big broad brushstrokes. Um, so it's 1943. And for years before then 16 year old Stefania had been working for a Jewish family in their and living in their grocery store in Poland. She pretty much had become a member of the family. She lives with them. She even has a secret promise of marriage to one of their sons mm. i think is pronounced yeah right i think it's pronounced izios excuse me for that a promise must be kept secret because she is catholic and he is jewish um but everything changes when the german army invades poland and the family now finds itself displaced over into the ghetto and she finds herself alone in this apartment and former grocery store she's the only one left to care for her six-year-old sister they go a lot into her own backstory and then a knock comes at the door one night her betrothed brother max has escaped a certain death and knocks at her door she and her sister make the extraordinary decision to hide max and that is a start and every day they face the terror of starvation, sickness, discovery, because along the way, you just sign as the war gets worse and worse conditions and food becomes more scarce. There are signs that and actual hangings in the square that say the cost of helping any Jewish person, even selling something or helping give them food is death. As most people know who like reading uh, historical fiction or about World War II, especially the Holocaust. Um, but just... So that's their summary. I kind of skinned it down. It does encompass most of the book. Now, I will say people have critiqued her writing style. Um, some people looking on Goodreads, I, I tried to find bad reviews. All the one and two star reviews out of five, no one left a review. So I'm like, if you're going to give a one and a two, you got to tell me why. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's fair. Like, but don't tell me. Just be like, I don't know why you didn't like it. You got to tell me at least something. Um, the closest I could find was that a couple three star review people said, I think 10 years ago, I would have really loved this book. It's like the kind of thing I would have devoured and adored when I was 12 or 15. I think it's kind of young. I think it's more geared at YA. It is YA. And I'm like, yeah, it's YA. <laughs> um, but I get it. The person's writing their view. Um, someone even wrote, this is one of the rare times I'm going to recommend a book, even though I didn't like the writing. So I think sometimes people find it hard to separate the subject. Like, oh, I gave a one-star review to a Holocaust story. Or the writing. I liked her writing. She couldn't really make up, you know, flights of fancy because she had to try and stick pretty closely to what happened to Stefania. And and you just she covered multiple years to get to from the one point of no Jewish people in hiding to one to as it grew, you you can't just make up stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she had to kind of get from A to B with some little like swiggle lines in between. And she did say she kind of mushed some characters together for clarity of story. Um, but I liked it. It was, um, she wasn't a completely fearless person. She was terrified every day, but in that she found courage. So that's one of those uplifting stories. If you have some time, listen to it, read it. Um, like I said, I know it's available through my town's hoopla right now. And I, I think the, the listening to it was quite fun. 
because otherwise I would have absolutely no idea how to pronounce 95% of these names um, that I didn't even try and say a lot. But I, I did like that. And the publishers sell it as grade seven to nine. I think that's right on. There is violence, but then how can you have a Holocaust World War II book without it, especially about things that happened? Um, so there are some violent scenes. Um, but again, I still would put it in that grade seven to nine or higher if, if you want to read, if you're an adult, like you would love this book. Um, I just thought it was a story that had a constant theme of hope versus hopelessness, which is also not so bad to listen to right now. Uh, and just kind of keep going. Uh, every day you don't know if you're going to live or die, but just keep going through it. So I super recommend that book for fans of historical fiction, biography, and especially World War II stories of courage. That's cool. I wonder also some of those like one star reviews were just librarians who have Holocaust fiction fatigue um, yeah. because there's been a lot of it uh, since between uh, adult historical fiction and then, yes. um, you know, Alan Gratz coming out and doing his World War II fiction, which is amazing. But now everybody's like, oh, yeah, we should write this again. And I'm like, oh, there's so many other things. I'm like, someone wrote a historical fiction not about World War II. So I, that I'm like, oh, I'm like, what is that allowed? Um, no, I love. I I just feel like I've been reading it since I was growing up in middle school in a loving way. Like it's part of history, and somehow people deny the Holocaust, which is bizarre to me. But yeah, I think I my oh. yeah, and like my point was like it's nice to hear that there's like a really good book that has come out because I think we have some that are kind of fine um yeah so that's cool to hear about a new one that is good because i definitely have a couple of readers at my library who i will be like oh hey by the way did you know about this book and they'll be like no can i have it no i'll be like yes you can eventually i'll give you this book in person but if not try and check it out ebook by use an independent bookseller whatever you have to do i I like this one again the cover i don't it's not a banger the cover it's not a like home run i it's okay. It's good, but hopefully you listen to my words and I can sell you on it. That's my whole job pretty much is what we, what I do. And I'm sure what you do is like, okay, don't look at this book, <laughs> but let me sell you on this book. Uh, when the cover's bad. The oh cover yeah. Is yes. <laughs> it's not even that bad. It's just, I'm like, no, listen to me. Look at me. Do not look at the book. I'm the captain now. Like this is why you need, I, oh, and I have one teen that he's like aged out of the teen room and he's like young twenties now. And there's this one book that he is perfect for and he will not read it. And I'm like, someday, 50 years from now, you're going to read this book. The cover's terrible, but you're going to love it. And it's been like an ongoing joke for like five years. That's, that's pretty good. I'm like, I'll wear you down. I'll get you, Marlon. I'm going to get you. <laughs> But yeah, so what is your next book? I'm uh, so my next book, I'm going to end with a graphic novel. Um, it's from the DC Ink line, which um, I think everybody should be familiar with it, but I will I will cover it quickly. Uh, so DC uh, has been doing some young adult uh, books, which have been kind of hit or miss for me. And again, I haven't read enough to actually say that, that there's some of them I've, I've liked, some of them I've been like, eh. Um, but they have transitioned and been like, oh, wait, maybe we shouldn't just do like books with words, but also we're a comic company. We should do graphic novels because people like kids like graphic novels. Um, and we have a whole bunch of superheroes and villains we could we could do stories about. Uh, so the DC Ink line is the, I guess you would say the teen YA line of it. They also have DC Zoom, which is more like kids and intermediate. Um, okay. And like some of the some of the DC ink is kind of middle grady and some of it's not. Uh, so I read Harley Quinn Breaking Glass, which is uh, I it's I hmm it's 
interesting. So it's very different from the Harley Quinn that everybody is used to seeing, I think, in mainstream media, uh, yeah. which is great. It's part of the reason I like it. Uh, so it's written by Marika Tamaki, who, if that name sounds familiar, it's because she is a Caldecott winner for this one summer. And she's also, um, uh, I can't remember if she won the Eisner or if she was nominated for an Eisner for Supergirl being super, which is one of my favorite like YA um, super comics. Um, That's good. Yeah, I love that. Both of them. Um, and pretty much anything Marika Tamaki um, writes, I'll read. Like She even has a YA book called... Uh, Oh shoot! What is it? Searching for Montgomery Soul. Um, that's that's okay. pretty good. Um, but this one, it's so different. So if you're used to like Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, or like Batman the Animated Series, Harley Quinn, um, she's kind of more on the Batman the Animated side series, but. Also, she's kind of reminds me of Harley Quinn from an Elseworld comic. So DC has a line of comics called Elseworld, which is um, it doesn't take place in the what you there's this dumb thing in comics called the canon or the timeline. Um, and like only things happen in the canon. And I'm just like, sure. Um, and the reality is, is that the canon gets retconned every time a hero needs to get rebooted. See X-Men. Um like you know oh so and so's dead no i'm just kidding like that's a that's a retcon um what was the word what was that word you used ret yeah okay uh anyway i i learned something oh you're welcome uh it's the it's the it's the way of comics um so this one's kind of like i guess you call it a retcon but it's just like a retelling of harley quinn so it's harley quinn at 15 um as a teenager you know, before the Joker, before all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's, it kind of reminds me a lot of, oh, sorry, I was getting to the El Toro comic. I lost my place, my bad. So, uh, Marguerite Bennett wrote a comic for DC called DC Bombshells, which is a retelling of what if uh, there were no male superheroes during World War II and it was all women. And she didn't actually realize that Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn are not a romantic couple. And so <laughs> she wrote them what? as a couple. Well, she watched Fan of the Animated Series when she was a kid and she internalized it because she's also gay. <laughs> They're just a couple. And so everybody like lost their mind over it. But it's kind of influenced some of the choices we've seen in some of the comics and whatnot. And um, that's been good. But yeah, so there's a, I wouldn't say that I, Harley and Ivy are a couple in this at all. I would not go that far. But I'm just saying like it kind of pushed the whole like, oh, we can retell things and it'll be fine. So the publisher's description is, let's see, uh, Harley Quinn Breaking Glass is a coming-of-age story about choices, consequences, justice, fairness, and progress, and how a weird kid from Gotham's poorest part of town goes about defining her world for herself. Um, Harleen's a tough, outspoken, rebellious kid who lives in a ramshackle apartment above a karaoke cabaret owned by a drag queen named Mama. Ever since Harleen's parents split, Mama has been her only family. When the cabaret becomes the next victim in a wave of gentrification that's taking over the neighborhood, Harleen gets mad. When Harleen decides to turn her angry anger into action she's faced with two choices join ivy who's campaigning to make the neighborhood a better place to live or join the joker who plans to take down gotham one corporation at a time um so it's it's definitely a different harley um she it's, it's a little bit it's so her mom she's she and her mom have moved around ever since she was a baby they never talk about her father father's not in the picture um and she's very I don't know. She's she's wearing a hat through all of it too that looks like the hat the um the pussy hat from the women's march, but it's never pink. 
It's because, mm-hmm. like, most of the colors also in this comic are very interesting because it's kind of done in a gray wash. Um, but the oh. reds and the blacks stand out because that's those are Harley Quinn's colors are red and black. Um, so those pop out whenever they, they decide to put that on the page. And then when she finally oh. does meet the Joker, the Joker's purple and the green and the red from his lips um, show up. Um, so those pop out, too. And it's it's her... It's interesting too because like she comes to Gotham and it's her narrating her story. So you get a little bit of flashback about how she's been in trouble with the cops before, um, and how uh, she basically hates injustice. Um, she doesn't have quite the vocabulary to talk about how she hates injustice, but you you get it through like the things that she says because she refers to um, like got boys that are jerks that take advantage of people and do horrible things as boogers so she's like you can either be a booger or you can like not you can also choose to pick the booger (laughs) and i'm just like okay um yeah and so she ends up her mom's on a cruise ship with a job and so she ends up to live with her grandmother in gotham and it turns out her grandmother's passed away um and so this drag queen essentially mama takes care of her and so she, she becomes like so it has a whole thing of like chosen family that takes that you take care of each other um and so they're taking care of harley and she's going to school um meanwhile she meets ivy um and it turns out ivy they have ivy's different too um she's not like the uh white red-haired vixen uh she's an african-american mm-hmm. girl whose parents have are local um activists um and she, you know her family's lived in this part of gotham and gentrification's moving in and they run the community garden and she's very into her plants but she's also very into social activism and speaking up and doing what's right um and the book kind of hits on a lot of different things from gentrification to systematic racism um as well as like uh, just how horrible corporations and the one percent are, um, and then also, you know, what's different for Harley is that Harley's not a hero, right? Harley is a um, Harley is a woman who's often in a bad situation, trying to get out of it. Uh, so of course the Joker does her dirty, and she's just like, mm-hmm all right, I'm coming for you. <laughs> like, as opposed to that whole, Mr. J, I'm so in love with my pudding. She's like, you know, there's definitely the whole, like, I'm going to come get you at the end of it. Um, and Bruce Wayne's kind of in the background. And they've set it up, so this is book one, so hopefully there'll be a book two. But I should say it's definitely one of the best DC Inc. books I've read, because I've read a couple of the other ones. And I like the Black Canary one that Mag Cabot did was pretty good. Um, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the Raven one. Uh, everybody was like, "Oh, it's so great!" And I read it, and I was like, eh, "It's okay." <laughs> I read that one too, and I, you know, I don't know Raven's backstory so much because I'm thinking about it from a teen's perspective. Was, can I just jump in from this looks cool? Can I read it and enjoy it? And I was like, eh, "Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't not, I wouldn't dissuade anybody from reading it." I'm like, "This, it's, it's fine." Yes. Um, and the the Catwoman one was really good too, but the Catwoman also with the Harley Quinn. I think it's one of those things if you're looking for like a moral to the story. Like Harley's story is very messy, and I think that's kind of cool uh, because a lot of with the YA stuff with this, it's very like two dimensional and like oh you have to do what's right and blah blah blah. And like you know Harley kind of comes from like a really bad background, and she's doing the best she can with what she has, and she's been taken advantage of by this you know other teen boy who's the Joker, um, and like what do you do with that? And so she has this whole thing of like you know 
do I do I do I do vandalism and break everything up? Because like there's a of course there's a corporation that's moving in and trying to buy all of the places and set fires and whatnot. And um, or do like do I do I you know do I try and break the system like a vandal or do I try and do what Ivy does and protest and get petitions and you know do grassroots organizing and or do I do it my way which is maybe a little bit of both and it's kind of weird um but I definitely love like the I will say the drag queens in the story kind of make it like they're so great um and it's got it's just written with so much heart which I really appreciated um and the art like I said is really cool um I love that I did I did love that um because sometimes the art's been kind of like eh in some of these um Yes. So that's that was that was pretty great. I'm I'm curious to see what what book two would look like, um, if they if they go that far. If they, hopefully they sold enough books. But yeah, it's definitely it's a little bit of a different. It has like the Harley personality, but it's it's not like Suicide Squad Harley. It's 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 a different type of uh, origin story for her, which I really appreciate. Um, there were definitely some one star reviews, and they were all from I'm assuming straight white guys who were like, "This isn't Harley, this isn't canon," and I'm just like, "It's it's okay for things in the comic world to not be canon because when you lock yourself into like there can only be this one story that's this one way, um, it really kind of limits the storytelling. Um, like some of my favorite Batman stories are actually they're well, those are some of the big ones, but like they're the reason why I like them is because they're so different from the retelling of like oh bruce's parents got shot blah uh he's he's got ptsd he's horrible and i mean those these, these are, are compelling stories but like you know i like the noir batman i like the he's gonna do actual detective work um those types of retellings or like the ones where like you know the joker story has been retold a billion times who even knows who he is anymore it doesn't matter um and getting like locked into one point of view on that, I think sometimes can kind of like ruin it. Like, oh, only Heath Ledger is the is the Joker, and I'm just like, no, he's a Joker. There are so many Jokers. Like Mark Hamill is my Joker from Batman the Animated Series, and it's fine. So like this could be somebody's, this could be someone news to the stories, their version of Harley that they really identify with and like. So I hope that readers will, um, who are newer to it, will like you know read it and appreciate it. Um, with that because that's one thing I like about DC Inc is that it's just such an open door to say yes come on in here's some stories for you I like it yes sorry if I rambled on about comics it's just it's a weird complicated world it's a good world and also I didn't pick for my last last one a graphic novel but I will pick more graphics in the future Um, but I have a book I'm very excited for the only bad thing is and I didn't realize it until today because I read it a month ago is that it comes out in June but that just means you guys have something to be anticipating and hoping for and while you're waiting you could read this author's other work so the book I am talking about today for my last one it's my oldest book Um, the publisher says from where we order books it's for grades 7 to 9 but I think that's a big fat lie it is probably more for like 13 14 years old and up uh there are there is swearing in it they are high school seniors and there's like high school senior situations um the author is adrian kisney who also wrote uh dear rachel maddow which has a lot of swears in that it. That book but, is um, so good, well. though. So you could read that book, Dear Rachel Maddow, while you're waiting for her new book to come out in June, which is Six Angry Girls. And I'm going to be talking about Six Angry Girls today. Um, the quick, quick kind of two-second, uh, two-sentence pitch is uh, Being a Girl... It's in how you stand up for all that stuff that's thrown at you and how you kick butt after. So six angry high school girls get together in this story in a difficult 
all of them have difficult time in their lives and all of them have one thing and one goal only, which is to break the patriarchy in the process. So that's my quick, quick little summary. Um, it's a story of mock trial, feminism, and the inherent power found in a pair of knitting needles. That's from the publisher. The longer summary that they say, which I think is pretty good, is uh, Raina Petrie is crushing her senior year until her boyfriend dumps her. The drama club basically dumps her and the college of her dreams slips away and her arch nemesis triumphs. Things aren't much better for Millie Goodwin. Her father treats her like a servant, and the all-boy mock trial team votes her off, even after she spent the last three years helping to build their success. But then, an advice columnist unexpectedly helps Raina find new purpose in a pair of knitting needles in a politically active local yarn store, which also leads to an unlikely meeting in the girls' bathroom where Raina meets, or Marina inspires Millie to start a rival mock trial team. The two join together to recruit four other angry girls to not only take on mock trial, but to smash the patriarchy in the process. Um, I love this book because it's um, very diverse. I'm going to talk about the cover for a minute. So if you're, if you're not driving, pause, go look it up. Google image, Goodreads. No, I love it because it's so... Um, bold it's a pink background six angry girls it's a reference to 12 angry jurors the movie and fun stuff um and obviously it has themes of mock trial and debate and and doing your research and all of the girls i just read a different article i think on book riot today about um it was about diversity body uh diversity and also showing um handy capable people on a cover this one they included this one because it has a black girl on the cover with a, a cast on her leg but they're like hey you don't usually get that but as a whole there's six girls just straight on staring you down uh on the cover there's a girl with rainbow hair she is thick she's awesome you can actually tell she has a band-aid and uh hairy legs like you see some stubble on her legs i love it there's a girl like an indian girl blowing bubble gum just staring you down uh there's a trans girl on the cover you find out one of the members of the mock trial um everyone has their own story and their own issues of which they're dealing with um it's technically it's also sex positive and it is their seniors or juniors in high school so that's why i said it's more of a like 13 14 year old plus reading um but it's such a strong voice tackling great characters um we're going to discuss it tomorrow on my online book discussion so i am super excited to see my like little feminist girls like and boys talking about this tomorrow i can't even tell that is so exciting Um, i am pumped i am pumped to read this just from your description I I really like it, but I here's what even and I'm not giving away all the plot because stuff happens. But so we have Reina, the drama queen, who literally she you, she's type A. She knows exactly what she wants to do. She's got the boy. She's got the career. She is the lead in the play. And when it all gets stripped away, what do you do? Who are you? What do you do? And she has to like find out who she really is. That's not spoilers. And then the other character, Millie. Now, some people say there's not enough, and Goodreads, the review said some of the voices aren't distinct enough between the two, but I think the circumstances in their life are different enough, where Millie is asexual. She just isn't into sex. (laughs) But the fun twist is there is um, a positive lesbian romance interest, so you get to kind of explore with her like what is what does that mean for her what does you know i mean like like a teenager figuring out like who or what they are i'm not exactly this i'm not exactly that and i've known people who in their teens were said they were lesbian but you know what 
10, 15 years later, actually, I was wrong. I am trans. And yay, you, you're on your journey. I'm not saying you're wrong because you're not, you are figuring well, I'm stuff also, out. So I'm also going to stop great... you there. You, okay. Yes. That's gender and yes. sexuality are two different camps. So yes. yeah. So it's, it's yeah. Mm, sorry. It's me being the GSA advisor. Uh, so, no, no, it's cool. Yeah, I'll say yeah. for other people that don't know, like your your gender is like it's basically like yes. how you feel about yourself. Your sexuality is who you're attracted to. Um, like who when you kiss your eyes, you think about like who do you want to smooch? Who do you want to hold your hand? Um, so yeah, sorry to interject there. No, I love it. Please. Um, the other thing is, is that um, in the knitting group, the little yarn shop, um, local yarn shop, they also have, it's uh, kind of politically active. There is a, a judge character. And I will say some of that seems extreme. They talk about parts of anatomical parts of the body. Fine. Cool. It's parts of our body. There's a whole knitting movement. But even better is that they portray older women. Uh, in a book and you know they're they're included and they have wisdom and they are fun and they are part of the political oh that's so cool I like that um yeah so I'm not giving again I'm not giving away huge plot things I'm just setting telling you things that are kind of in it which makes me very excited it's very quick you could actually read it very fast um like I said I don't think it's for grade seven to nine in, in a, as an, I wouldn't like book talk it overall because I feel like I'd get a lot of like to when I go to the school like once a month usually and book talk things I feel like to all my kids like oh you you yes yes but I would definitely put it out on my new thing and I would put it on so many different displays and I'm very excited for when people read it um so again just be mindful that there are some situations in there some language um and also some of the situations will make you mad because I think she the author made a point to make some characters so over the top conservative Mm. um um, there's like a Cinderella situation with one of the characters where the dad literally can't function after the mom, the mom is out of the picture and the one daughter is like the Cinderella housemaid. It almost makes you so mad. It's funny, but I'm still mad, but it's in a good way, uh, where people, <laughs> it keeps you reading and you want to do it. I know. Um, so I, the one critique I will say is I wish they had great secondary characters. I wish some of them got a little more development. I feel like there could have been added like an extra X number of pages that could have given me a little more because I love them so much. I didn't want to leave them. Um, but yeah, I really liked it made me feel really like kicked up and wanting to like kick things and like start a whole political movement action. Um, so I'm very excited for when this book comes out June 2nd. And, and I know I'm so mean telling you to read a book that's not out yet. But I, didn't I mean, realize. but again, you can. Yeah. And maybe just maybe our libraries will be open and you can get that book and you can read it yourself yes. and you can physically give it to kids probably with still six feet distance, but still physically give it to children or yes. not children, teenagers. I will gently I will gently toss it in their direction. (laughs) It's already been on order for me. I read it over a month ago. It's so mean to ask me to read a book a month ago and like not talk about it until June. I had it. So yeah, that was my three recommendations. So my three were Wink by Rob Harrell and then The Light in Hidden Places. And the last one was Six Angry Girls. Um, so those are my three top. Mary, do you want to oh, yeah. do your top three again? So, so my three yeah. were The First Rule of Punk and White Rabbit and Breaking Glass or Harley Quinn Breaking Glass. 
So hopefully you guys are still listening and we're not sure when we'll come back next, but we'll talk about probably three more. I apologize if I ramble, I will get better. Sorry. It's hard to do this with like no people in front of me. I just talked to my cat. (laughs) (laughs) But um, do we need to sign off? I feel like you just got jammed. Bye. Yeah, I like it. You just got jammed. (laughs) You just got jammed.